Hello and thank you for listening. If it is in your heart to do so, please support this podcast using listener support. Every little bit helps keep this podcast going. Also, check out Christian Love Radio on Zeno FM for more great music and sermons. The following prayer by Charles Spurgeon is called Deliver Us from Evil. O God, let us not be formalists or hypocrites at this time in prayer. Feel how easy it is to bow the head and cover the face, and yet the thoughts may be all astray, and the mind may be wandering here and there, so that there shall be no real prayer at all. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to feel that we are in the immediate presence of God, and may the thought lead us to sincere and earnest petitioning. There are some who don't know God. You are not in all their thoughts. Make no reckoning of you, thou glorious one, but do their business and guide their lives as if there was no God in heaven and earth. Strike them now with a sense of your presence. Oh, that your eternal power might come before their thoughts. And now may they join with your reverent people in approaching your mercy seat. We come for mercy, O God. It must always be our first request, for we have sinned, sinned against a just and holy law of which our conscience approves. We are evil, but your law is holy and just and good. We have offended knowingly, We have offended again and again. After being chastened, we have still offended. And even those of us who are forgiven, who through your rich love have been once for all washed from every stain, yet have we sinned grievously, and we confess it with much shame and bitter self-reproach, that we should sin against such tender love and against the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who is in your people, and who checks them and quickens their consciences so that they sin against light and knowledge when they sin. Wash us yet again. And when we ask for this washing, it is not because we doubt the efficacy of former cleansing. Then we were washed in blood. Now, O Savior, repeat upon us what you did to the twelve when you took a towel and basin and washed their feet. And when that was done, You told him that he who had been washed had no need save but to wash his feet. After that was done, he was clean every whit. Oh, let your children be in that condition this morning, clean every whit, and may they know it. And thus being clean, may they have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Christ. And may they now come and stand where the cherubim once were, where the glory still shines forth. And may we be before a blood-sprinkled mercy seat ourselves, washed and cleansed our prayers and praises. As for those that never have been washed, we repeat our prayer for them. Bring them, oh, bring them at once to a sense of sin. Oh, that we might see them take their first complete washing and may they become henceforth the blood-washed and blood-redeemed consecrated ones belonging forever to him who has made them white through his atoning sacrifice. And blessed Lord, since you permit your washed ones to come close to yourself, we would approach you now with the courage which comes of faith and love and ask you of this thing. Help us to overcome every tendency to evil which is still within us. 
and enable us to wear armor of such proof that the arrows of the enemy from without may not penetrate it, that we may not be wounded again by sin. Deliver us, we pray, from doubts within and fears without, from depression of spirit and from the outward assaults of the world. Make us and keep us pure within, and then let our life be conducted with such holy jealousy and watchfulness that there may be nothing about us that shall bring dishonor to your name. May those who most carefully watch us see nothing but what shall adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Lord, help your people to be right. As parents, may none of us spoil our children. May there be no misconducted families to cry out against us. Help us to conduct ourselves aright as church members. May we love our brethren. May we seek their good, their edification, their comfort, their health. Oh, may such of us as are called to preach have grace equal to that responsibility. Lord, make every Christian to be clear of the blood of all those around them. We know that there are some who profess to be your people who do not seem to care one whit about the souls of their fellow men. God, forgive this inhumanity to men, this treason to the King of Kings. Rouse the church, we pray, to a tenderness of heart towards those among whom we dwell. Let all the churches feel that they are ordained to bless their neighbors. Oh, that the Christian church might begin to take upon itself its true burden. Let the church, especially with this mass of poverty and sin round about it, care for the people and love the people. May all Christians be stirred themselves that something may be done for the good of men, for the glory of God. Do use us for your glory. Shine upon us, O Emmanuel, that we may reflect your brightness. Dwell in us, O Jesus, that out of us may come the power of your life. Make your church to work miracles, because a miracle worker is in the midst of her. Oh, send us times of revival, seasons of great refreshing, and then times of aggravation when the army of the Lord of hosts shall push its way into the very center of the adversary and overthrow the foe in the name of the King of Kings. Now forgive your servants all that has been amiss, and strengthen in your servants all that is good and right. Sanctify us to your service, and hold us to it. Comfort us with your presence, elevate us into your presence. Make us like yourself, bring us near yourself, and in all things glorify yourself in us, whether we live or die. Bless the poor, remember the needy among your own people, help and succor them. Bless the sick and be very near the dying. The Lord comfort them. Bless our country. Let every mercy rest upon the sovereign. Send peace to disquieted districts. Give wisdom to our leaders in the making and in the seeing, to the keeping of the law. And may your kingdom come not here only, but in every land and nation. Lands across the flood, remember with the plenitude of your grace. Let the whole earth be filled with your glory. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. A reading from Matthew Henry's Method of Prayer for Confession of Sin. O our God, we are shamed and blush to lift up our faces before you. Our God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up to the heavens. 
To us belong shame and confusion of face, because we have sinned against you. Behold, we are vile. What shall we answer you? We will lay our hand upon our mouth and put our mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. Crying with the convicted leper under the law, unclean, unclean. You put no trust in your saints, and the heavens are not clean in your sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man who drinks in iniquity like waters. When our eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, we have reason to cry out, Woe unto us, for we are undone. Dominion and fear are with you. You make peace in your high places. There is not any number of your armies, and on whom does not your light arise. Then can man be justified with God, or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? You, even you are to be feared. And who may stand in your sight when once you are angry? Even you, our God, art a consuming fire, and who knows the power of thine anger? If we justify ourselves, our own mouths shall condemn us. If we say we are perfect, that also shall prove us perverse. For if you contend with us, we are not able to answer you for one of a thousand. If we knew nothing by ourselves, yet were we not thereby justified? For he that judges us is the Lord, who is greater than our hearts, and knows all things. But we ourselves know that we have sinned against heaven and before you, and are no more worthy to be called your children. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who should stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. With you there is mercy. Yea, with our God there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Your sacrifices, O God, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Nay, though thou art the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, though the heaven be your throne and the earth your footstool, yet to this man will you look that is poor and humble, of a broken and a contrite spirit, and that trembles at your word, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You have graciously assured us that though they that cover their sins shall not prosper, yet those that confess and forsake them shall find mercy. And when a poor penitent said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, you forgave the iniquity of his sin, and for this shall every one that is godly in like manner pray to you in a time when you may be found. We know that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But you have said that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. And being in honor, did not understand, and therefore did not abide, but became like the beasts that perish. By one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. By that one man's disobedience many were made sinners, and we among the rest. We are a seed of evildoers. Our father was an Amorite, and our mother a Hittite. 
And we yourselves were called and not miscalled transgressors from the womb. And you knew we would deal very treacherously. The nature of man was planted a choice and noble vine, wholly a right seed. But it has become the degenerate plant of a strange vine, producing the grapes of Sodom and the clusters of Gomorrah. How has the gold become dim and the most fine gold changed? Behold, we are shapen in iniquity, and in sin did our mothers conceive us. For who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. We are by nature children of wrath, because children of disobedience, even as others. All flesh has corrupted their way. We are all gone aside. We are all together become filthy. There is none that does good. No, not one. The blindness of our understandings and their unaptness to admit the rays of the divine light. By nature, our understandings are darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in us because of the blindness of our hearts. The things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to the natural man, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We are wise to do evil, but to do good we have no knowledge. We know not. Neither do we understand. We walk on in darkness. God speaks once, yea, twice, but we do not perceive it. But hearing we hear and do not understand, and we see men as trees walking. We have within us a carnal mind which is enmity against you, and is not in subjection to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You have written to us the great things of your law, but they have been accounted by us as a strange thing. And our corrupt hearts have been sometimes ready to say, What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And that we should certainly do whatsoever things goes forth out of our own mouth. For we have walked in the way of our own heart and in the sight of our eyes, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Our neck has been an iron sinew, and we have made our hearts as an adamant. We have refused to hearken. We have pulled away the shoulder and stopped our ears like the deaf adder that will not hearken to the voice of the charmer, charming never so wisely. How have we hated instruction and our heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of our teachers nor inclined our ear to them that instructed us? Reimagination of the thoughts of our heart is evil, only evil in that continually, and it has been so from our youth. Oh, how long have those vain thoughts lodged within us, those thoughts of foolishness which are sin. From within out of the heart proceed evil thoughts which devise mischief upon the bed and carry the heart with the fool's eyes to the ends of the earth. But God has not been in all our thoughts. It is well if he be in any. Of the rock that begot us we have been unmindful and have forgotten the God that formed us. We have forgotten him days without number, and our hearts have walked after vanity and become vain. Our inward thoughts haven't been that our houses should continue forever. This, our way, is our folly. Set our affections on things beneath, set on things above where our treasure is, and where Christ sits on the right hand of God. The things which we should seek. We have followed lying vanities and forsaken our own mercies. 
have forsaken the fountain of living waters for cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We have panted after the dust of the earth and have been full of care. What we shall eat, what we shall drink, and wherewithal shall we be clothed? Do things after which the Gentiles seek, but have neglected the kingdom of God and the righteousness thereof? We have lifted up our souls unto vanity and set our eyes upon that which is not. We have looked at the things that are seen which are temporal, but the things that are not seen that are eternal have been forgotten and postponed. The following reading is from The Rise and Progress of Religion in the Soul by Philip Doddridge, Confession of a Sinner Convinced in General of His Guilt. O God, Thou injured Sovereign, Thou all-penetrating and almighty Judge, what shall we say to the charge? Shall we pretend we are wronged by it and stand on the defense in your presence? I dare not do it. For you know my foolishness, and none of my sins are hid from you. My conscience tells me that a denial of my crimes would only increase them and add new fuel to the fire of your deserved wrath. If I justify myself, my own mouth will condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it will also prove me perverse. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are, as I have been told in your name, more than the hairs of my head. Therefore my heart fails me. I am more guilty than it is possible for another to declare or represent. My heart speaks more than any other accuser. And you, O Lord, are much greater than my heart and know all things. What has my life been but a course of rebellion against you? It is not this or that particular action alone I have to lament. Nothing has been right in its principles and views and ends. whole soul has been disordered. All my thoughts, my affections, my desires, my pursuits have been wretchedly alienated from you. I have acted as if I hated you, who are infinitely the loveliest of all beings, as if I had been contriving how I might tempt you to the uttermost and worry out your patience, marvelous as it is. My actions have been evil, my words yet more evil than they, and, oh, blessed God, my heart, how much more corrupt than either. What an inexhaustible fountain of sin has there been in it a fountain of original corruption, which mingled its bitter streams with the days of early childhood, and which, alas, flows on even to this day beyond what actions or words could express. I see this to have been the case with regard to what I can particularly survey. Oh, how many months and years have I forgotten concerning which I only know this in a general, that they are much like those I can remember except it be that I have been growing worse and worse and provoking your patience more and more, though every new exercise of it was more and more wonderful. And how am I astonished that your forbearance is still continued? It is because you are God and not man. Had I a sinful worm been thus injured, I could not have endured it. Had I been a prince, I had long since done justice on any rebel whose crimes had borne but a distant resemblance to mine. Had I been a parent, I had long since cast off the ungrateful child who had made me such a return as I have all my life long been making to you, O Father. 
the flame of natural affection would have been extinguished, and his sight and his very name would have become hateful to me. Why then, O Lord, am I not cast out from your presence? Why am I not sealed up under an irreversible sentence of destruction? That I live, I owe to your indulgence, but oh, if there be yet any way of deliverance, if there be yet any hope for so guilty a creature, may it be opened upon me by your gospel and your grace. And if any further alarm, humiliation, or terror be necessary to my security and salvation, may I meet them and bear them all. Wound my heart, O Lord, so that you will but afterwards heal it and break it in pieces, if you will but at length condescend to bind it up. Amen. In the year 1678, a book came out called An Alarm for Sinners, containing the confession prayers, letters, and last words of Robert Holt. Robert Folks was a pastor, but he seduced a young lady who resided with him, took a lodging for her in York Buildings in the Strand, and there made away with a child that was born out of wedlock, December 11, 1678, by stabbing it in the throat with a knife and disposing of the body down a privy emptying into the River Thames. Contrary to popular assertion given in two contemporary pamphlets, the child was not strangled by him. The next morning he returned to Shropshire, when the body was found by a strange providence. Atkinson eventually made a full confession. Falks was tried and convicted at the Old Bailey Sessions on the 16th of January, 1679. After receiving a sentence, he manifested great penitence and was visited by several eminent theologians, among whom was Gilbert Burnett, and so on, who came to him the very evening after his condemnation, managed to obtain for him a few days' reprieve, which he employed in writing forty pages of Kant, entitled An Alarm for Sinners, containing the Confession of Prayers. The following is one of those confessions. A prayer frequently used by me during my reprieve. O most holy and righteous judge of the whole world, Give a sinful and miserable wretch leave to prostrate himself before the throne of your grace, and implore that mercy which I have formerly despised and abused. I am not worthy, I confess, to lift up my eyes towards heaven, and it becomes me in the greatest dejection of spirit to sigh and groan under the load of my sins, which have been so great and many, so bold, so presumptuous and shameless, and when... With an awakened mind, I reflect upon them. I am ready to sink into hell and despair of your mercy. That when with an affected mind, I reflect upon them. I am ready to sink into hell and despair of any mercy. O oh God, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. And I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that admonished me. How swift have my feet been to run into evil, and how backward and averse have I been to anything that is good. Oh, the injuries which I have done my neighbor, the abuse of my wife and children, myself and your good creatures, the profane neglect, nay, contempt of thee and the duties of your worship and service. The remembrance of all this is dreadful. The burden is intolerable. How shall I appear before you at whose rebuke the mountains quake, since I could not think of appearing before an earthly judge without shame and affrightment of spirit? 
O Lord, work in me a greater dread of you, with a greater shame and confusion of face, now that I am in your presence. For which end be pleased to represent to me effectually the wickedness and baseness and vileness of all my evil doings, as well as the guilt and just desert of them. Oh, that I could hate and abhor them more than the death which I expect very shortly to suffer for them. Bestow on me, O Lord, that ingenuous and godly sorrow which works repentance and unfeigned purposes of amendment of life. They come too late indeed, I may justly think, to find acceptance with you, and therefore not without fear and trembling, and a great sense of my undeserving. I look up to you, acknowledging your infinite goodness, if you will vouchsafe me but the smallest hope of mercy. Mercy! Mercy, good Lord, cast me not quite out of thy sight for Jesus Christ's sake, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity. It is the beginning of some mercy, and in earnest I hope of more, that you have made me sensible of mine offenses, and that you have wrought in me a resolution to forsake them, and so beloved to a godly, sober, and righteous life. Help me, O Lord, to manifest the sincerity and uprightness of my soul in these resolutions as much as I am able, by giving you hearty thanks that the hand of justice has overtaken and laid hold upon me, and put a stop to the further mischief which I might have committed, and by making a free and open confession of my crimes and taking the shame which belongs to me before others, and by acknowledging that I am unworthy to live, and by earnest admonitions to all to be warned by my example, and to cease but times to do evil and learn to do well. O oh God, that I could glorify you a little in my latter end after this manner, and until I come to receive my deserved punishment, help me to spend my time in bewailing my sins, and humbling myself before you for them, and setting my heart against them, and studying and admiring with the greatest affection the holy life of the Lord Jesus, and calling other offenders to repentance, and exhorting them by this to give you glory. Deny me not grace, I beseech you, to enable me thus to employ myself, that I may have some taste of your mercy, and a fear of death may be abated by some hope, that when my soul shall be parted from the body, Oh, blessed Jesus, you will receive it, though so unworthy, into some of the heavenly mansions. Amen. 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 The following is the last words spoken by Robert Folks at the place of his execution. Good Christian people, I don't intend and hope you will not expect any long discourse at this time. But I've taken care that my confession in which, as I shall by and by answer to the God of truth, you will find nothing but the truth, shall be published more fully, and to your better advantage than I could possibly make it here. In a few words, therefore, you may in me see what sin is, and what it will end in. You may in me see the lamentable and irreparable mischiefs of uncleanness and hypocrisy in particular, and what it is for one who is a member of Christ to make himself the member of a harlot. It is a sin that seldom goes single and alone. It is a mother sin to abundance more, and they more ugly and deformed than itself. I have found it by sad and woeful experience. It led me to lying, to oaths and execrations, to conceal and defend it. Nay, I went further to advise, contrive, and assist in what might procure abortions, 
which certainly in the sight of God was murder in intention, nor stopped it there, but went forward to murder in act and execution, for which cry and sin I am come here to satisfy the law of man, and to acknowledge the justice of that sentence. And oh, that all you may fear and tremble at God's holy and righteous judgments, which have overtaken me, and that they may make you take warning to avoid the snares of a whorish woman, and especially to keep the married bed undefiled. Beware of hypocritical pretenses to religion of coming to the holy sacrament while you live in those filthy practices. Do not grieve or quench the Holy Spirit of God, nor stifle the convictions of your own consciences, lest God leave you as he did me to work all uncleanness with greediness, and lest at last you be brought to this most miserable condition to which he has most justly brought me, to whose most righteous judgment I submit. I forgive all the world as I desire to find mercy at God's hands through Jesus Christ. I do earnestly desire you by me to take warning not to continue in sin, for in the end it will find you out. As to my sin, I have but two things to say. One I have caused exceedingly to lament, and that is the great scandal I have thereby brought upon religion and the holy function of the ministry. The great disparagement which reflects on these I look upon as the most heinous aggravation of my loose and licentious life. Therefore, I pray you take up no prejudice against them. On my account, they are holy and good, and grant no licenses at all to such wicked and ungodly practices as I have been guilty of. The other I have some reason to rejoice in. It is true my sin has exposed the whole nation to judgment, for through blood the land is defiled. But this is my comfort that God by this punishment makes me expiate that guilt, for the judgment falls upon my own pate. But I hope through the mercy of God and merit of Christ will proceed no further than my body. I desire all that hear me to take warning not to continue in sin, but betimes to cease to do evil and learn to do well. Now the Lord be with you all and have mercy upon my poor soul, for which I desire you to pray with me and for me to the last moment of my life. The following prayer is from the New Week's preparation for a worthy receiving of the Lord's Supper as recommended and appointed by the Church of England, consisting of meditations and prayers for the morning and evening of every day in the week, with forms of examination and confessions of sin, and a companion at the altar, directing the communicant in his behavior and devotions at the Lord's table. O blessed Lord, who has invited and commanded us to pray to you, let your Spirit help our infirmities, and do thou so dispose our minds and influence our hearts in our preparation for a worthy receiving of your most holy sacrament, that our prayers and praises may be acceptable in your sight, through the mediation and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Almighty Lord God, mortify and kill all vices in me, and so strengthen me with your grace that by the innocency of my life and the constancy of my faith I may always glorify your great and holy name. Grant me the true circumcision of the Spirit, that my heart and all my members be mortified from all worldly and carnal lusts. I may in all things obey your blessed will. Enable me to love my enemies and to do good to those that hate me and to pray for them that despitefully use me and persecute me in obedience to the command and in imitation of the example of my great Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. 
Come now, O my soul, and let us retire from the pursuits of this vain, deceitful world, and let us well consider the gracious and condescending invitations in which our blessed Lord and only Savior has called us in his holy gospel to be partakers of his holy table. Why then this wavering or coldness, O my soul, give ear to the eternal truth that will remove all your doubts and fears by the following invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Rise then, my soul, and take your swiftest wings. Fly to this great mystery. There we shall see the Prince of Peace sacrifice himself to reconcile us with the Father. There we shall see, O stupendous mercy, the Son of God with heavenly food entertaining the sons of men. Can we, O dear Redeemer, believe the wonders of this mystery and not be ravished with admiration of your great goodness? Can we acknowledge your perfect veracity and not believe this wonder of your love? Let us then not refuse to believe our God because his mercies transcend our capacities. None but infinite wisdom could ever have invented so strange and high and prodigious a mystery. None but an inconceivable infinite goodness would ever have imparted so dear and tender and rich a blessing. When the impiety of men was at the height, and their treacherous heads plotting to betray you, then did your wisdom mercifully consult to overcome our malice with your bounty. Immediately you contrived an admirable way to invite all the world to a feast of wonders, a feast where your sacred body should be our food and your precious blood our drink, a feast in which are continually wrought new miracles of love for us. Thus, if it had not been love enough to have given yourself on the cross for us, you have found out a way to give yourself to us in the holy sacrament, to unite us with yourself by the most intimate union that is possible for us to conceive and which we can better feel than express to become the life, the strength, the support, and comfort of our beings, nay, to become even one with me and be to me the very soul of my soul. O oh, Lord my God, this is so inconceivable a blessing. This is so divine a union that the very angels with awful admiration contemplate your wonderful condescension in it. Lord, who are we unworthy sinners that you regard our wretched dust? What is all the world compared to you that thus you seem to disregard yourself? It was for our sakes and to draw us up to your love that you have commanded us to commemorate and represent your passion and present the merits of it before your Father on earth as you do present them to him in heaven. It was for our sakes and to help the infirmities of our nature that you appointed a commemorative sacrifice of that one oblation of yourself once offered upon the cross and bread and wine so offered and blessed as symbols of your body. Don't object against me, dear Lord, that none can see your face and live. Those fears your love has changed and my fixed hope is now to live by seeing you. Don't say, O thou mild and gracious majesty, if I approach your presence I must die. Rather instruct me so to die that I may live forever in your presence.